beautiful campus of LCMSU, everyone. I'm your host, the Chancellor, Pastor Marcus Sill. Pastor Justin Herman. How are you doing today, Pastor? Pretty good. It's nice to be on. Hey, Justin, it is great to have you. For everybody's sake, Pastor Herman is a pastor, campus pastor, full-time University Lutheran Chapel in West Lafayette, Indiana, serving students at Purdue University. Go Boilermakers. Yeah, all of our students here call it uh, ULU, and then the old-timers, the alumni from years ago, they always call it the chapel. And some of them refused to call it ULU. There you go. (laughs) And uh, so now how long have you been there? In August, it'll be two years. Okay. I started in August 2014. Wow, that's almost the same time that I've been in my position. I still don't know what I'm doing as the director of campus ministry. Uh, (laughs) I, I... do you, I feel like I'm learning every day. Yeah. Well, you know, when I left when I left being a full-time campus pastor after 15 and a half years, I was like, but I just got started. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it's always... Well, the, the weird thing about campus ministry is that every year or two, you completely start over. I'm already on my, uh, I think all of our um, council members are students here. So I'm already in my uh, second full student council, so it's pretty pretty interesting to turn over. There you go. Keeps it interesting, too. Oh, sure, absolutely. You know, you never have to, you know, every every few years, uh, you almost have a brand new, you know, virtually a brand new congregation in a lot of ways, at least in terms of the students. And, yeah. uh, of course, my campus ministry in Wyoming is about 80 to 90 percent students, and so uh, uh, some people said, "Well, that way you can you only have to be incompetent for two years until they catch on, and then they're already cycled through, and then nobody knows the difference." <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I digress, as I normally do. Well, I've had the privilege. Uh, I actually got to come see you about a year and a half ago when you had just been there about five or six months, and uh, yeah. had the privilege of uh, of. Uh, preaching and such and it was great to be with you guys and to see you have a tell, tell us a little bit about the campus ministry it's it's one of our older ones is it not yeah we've um the building here started with uh the foundation so in 1951 but several years before that uh, in uh, 1945 i believe it was uh, the, the central district at the time now the indiana district um started, they, they thought, we need something for the students there at Purdue, and uh, ever since then, um, they have been active in taking care of our Lutheran students and bringing the gospel to uh, people who have never heard of Jesus. I mean, I've done Bible studies in the, uh, for international students, just helping them with their English, and I remember asking one time, have any of you heard of Jesus? And a couple had never even heard his name, and... Um, mm. Wow. We baptized. We had we baptized uh, a Taiwanese person um, and uh, two Chinese person people in the in the last uh, couple years too. So that's been that's been pretty cool. And some of them have gone back to their own countries and you know all nations. Well, it's pretty, is, pretty awesome. You know, uh, we say it all the time. Those of us that are in the campus ministry uh, 
uh, stratosphere know that, uh, that the opportunity for outreach, not only to care for our own young people, but outreach to the atheists, the agnostics, the international students, people from a variety of religions and backgrounds, and like you said, people that don't even know who Jesus are here, they're in college. How do you not know who Jesus is? And uh, what a blessing it is. Uh, trust me, I, uh, I'm happy to do what I do, but I'm envious of what you do because all campus ministry yeah. is ultimately local. And so, anyways, well, I did I, want... I never, yeah. go, go, no, go I, ahead. I was going to say, I never, thought it, I never sought out campus ministry, but, I mean, it's definitely been a fit for me. It's been a real blessing. Well. And I'm uh, I'm glad you're there, and I'm glad you're having such a great time. It's a wonderful congregation, many many years, uh, faithful people, uh, longtime pastor Jim Barton for before you, uh, following a gentleman yeah, twenty five years. Twenty five years. Uh, yep. Once it gets in, uh, once it gets in your blood, um, yeah, I can't imagine doing anything else. It was hard enough for me to leave campus ministry to to do what I'm doing to support campus ministry because I loved it yeah. that much. So I. Once it's in your blood, once a campus pastor, always a campus pastor. And so I did want to ask you, I know a couple, three weeks ago, the, like some things were swirling around out there in social media and places that the, that the, your, your building, that Yulu had been sold. Yeah. Um, anything, I don't want to put you on the spot, but uh, maybe, maybe it'd be helpful just uh, since, since some things got out in this regard. Uh, what, what's, the, what's the situation? And in brief, you don't have to say more than you want, but uh, what, what's the basics that's going on with this? Well, um, it, it, well, many people may know, because uh, you probably got our mailings, that we've been raising money for the past uh, two to three years um, to add on to, the, add on to the current building at 100 South Chauncey. Just as we were taking bids for that, um, there was offers put in to uh, possibly move, and they were talking about sites off campus and the board of directors immediately said, we're not willing to give up campus ministry. Um, that's important to our district and Purdue is one of our, you know, one of our stronger campus ministries sure. and they wanted to keep that. And so then the company came back and said, well, what if we can move you closer to uh, campus then if that's, if that's what your goal is. And so since then uh, the district has decided to, have us put on hold um, our building project as they investigate these things. But really, I, I want everyone to know that they really have campus ministry in mind, and they also have Lutheran, I mean, distinctly Lutheran missions in mind. They're not, um, they're not wanting to um, throw away the strong Lutheran identity that they have in order to look just like everybody else. That's not what they want. Um, that they've assured me of that. And they're carefully considering it, you know, what would be the best possible sure. stewardship of resources um, to, to better reach our, our students. And that may mean staying here at 100 South Chauncey. That would be a huge blessing. It may mean moving. And um, I want people to know that no matter what, if we moved or stayed, and I know this, this place is, um, I, I hear so many stories, as I'm sure you have, of alumni about your building and stuff. Uh, whether we go or whether we stay, God's will will be done. And also, um, 
Christ will still be delivered to the people in Word and Sacrament Ministry according to the liturgy in the Lutheran service book. Um, you know, so it sounds like it sounds shepherd. it sounds like basically. So this company comes in, and then it's always apartment. It's apartments, right? Is that uh, the, yeah, yeah. Student it, housing. It seems like it's always student housing or apartments like or, or something. But they they made a pitch, and uh, and you guys with you in the district, everybody's decided. Well, let's uh, let's let's look into this and see see what can be done. Because what oftentimes people don't understand is that you know. Um, in my experience, I'll just say this, um, it's very important that we have a good location for our campus ministries, especially the one that you have and that has served you for a long time. Yeah, it, over, it, just, it's a good location. It also but, doesn't mean you know. that it's the only location or that there might not be ways that you can be even better stewards of the campus ministry going forward. And and it sounds sounds like you guys are working with the district and everybody has the best uh, interests of campus ministry in mind. And, and please know, uh, tell your folks, maybe they're listening, uh, folks in the district, that uh, that all of us that care very deeply about campus ministry appreciate that they do too. And we, we will continue to pray that God's will will be done in this situation. And um, on a personal level, if I can be of help in any way, uh, please, uh, please don't hesitate to let me know. But I'm sure that is kind of tough when it's like, hey, we've been going through this building program. We've, you know, <laughs> we've raised it, this it money. Has been, it, it has been a, a whirlwind. But at the same time, you know, I've been thinking a lot about the, the the Israelites in the desert, not knowing what was going to happen. You know, the pillar of cloud would stay in one place for a, a month or more and then, pack up and leave and go for a week and then stop and then get, you know, they were learning to be dependent on Christ and his word alone uh, during that time. And that's why I keep reiterating to our, our people and our students. I just want the st any students listening to know that this is a place where you will hear uh, the word of God. And currently it's good. You're going to hear it at 100 South Chauncey in the future. I don't know, but it'll still be within walking distance and it'll still be for um, those who are weary and heavy laden. You know, um, Jesus will give them rest. Well, and that's, let's uh, pivot maybe off of that. That's a great way of yeah. putting it. That, uh, you know, with the last couple, three programs, I had Trevor Sutton um, on, and he had just, uh, they, CPH just released his new book, Being Lutheran, about our Lutheran identity. And, you know, that's kind of what you're talking about, regardless of where you're at in terms of the physical proximity to campus or the building or whatnot. It ultimately is about Lutheran identity. Why? Why do, why do you think that's so important uh, for our college students? Yeah, it's interesting you were talking about location because I also think about the, the students, especially first year students, um, used to who they were in a certain place. You know, being their parents. Sorry, I was getting a phone call school. there. This is a highly professional program here, so that's yeah. what the beep was. But go ahead. No, no, Kyle, I, I didn't even hear it. But, but they're, they're, they're used to um, hearing the Word of God. I mean, not hearing the Word of God. They're used to being whoever they are, but it's not, their identity is not in the new place. When they come here, they get lost. When I first got here, I interviewed a bunch of students um, just trying to figure out what was going on here. And I asked them a couple questions. One, what brought you here and what keeps you here? And one thing that one guy said to me really stuck. He said, when I come to you, Lou, I remember what's important 
and I feel like I'm back home. And yeah, yeah and I, what I loved about that was he was home. We are, you know, wherever two or three are gathered in my name, Jesus says, there I am also. And we were baptized into the name. We became a part of a new family. You know, we, we walk in newness of life, and we have, um, we have God's name. We are God's children. And so when he's here, when he comes to church, he can set aside what some of his liberal teachers are saying, and he brings back, wait, Wait, are you saying there's liberal teachers at Purdue University? Uh, I I think there's one. There's one guy. I'm just playing. Go ahead. (laughs) But, yeah, so here he remembers who he is and whose he is. And what he he remembers his true family name, and that is the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit that he was baptized into. And that, I mean, you know, we were going to talk about... uh, Confession. I don't know if you are. Yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, one of the you mentioned, you just mentioned the newness of life that he has. That all of our students need to feel like they go off to college. They're in the middle of college. Everything's new. Everything's different. Everything. Their faith is being challenged in ways that they maybe never ever thought uh, could be possible. Um, Everything's being stretched in their life, and then they have a chance to to hear God's word, to receive the Lord's Supper, to get things back in a proper perspective. But of course, in many cases, um, really what all these things come down to, needing to receive the forgiveness of sins. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I remember when I went away to college, even though I went to a strict Christian college, I mean, I I was like, uh, I felt like I lost myself, you know, just, I don't know, you know, just running around doing things I shouldn't have been doing. And, you know, then you you end up feeling like you're no longer a part of the family of God or you can get lost in your studies and and just for, forget. Um, now, I didn't know about confession and absolution until um, years later, actually until I went to seminary. I mean, I was confirmed in a church that didn't have, didn't ever really talk about it very much, but... I remember even at seminary, there was one, there was a period in my life where I felt like I was really going off track. I wasn't reading God's word, which sounds weird for a seminary student, but believe me, even pastors struggle with their devotional life and and whatnot. And this one teacher, um, Harold Sinkbile, he kept talking about confession and absolution. And he talked about it all the time. At one point, I was like, man... I need to say, Pastor, please hear my confession and pronounce forgiveness in order to fulfill God's will. I need to hear God's word through this man's lips saying that even that sin is forgiven. And um, I I don't know, I walked out of there with feeling a hundred times lighter, you know, just uh, a million, you know, just uh, really, really well. It reminded me of David. Um, can, can I read uh, just a little bit of uh, Psalm 32? No, I'm sorry. We don't allow the Bible on this program. No, go ahead. <laughs> okay, well, let me paraphrase that. Just no. kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. It says, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. 
For when I kept silence, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you. I did not cover up my iniquity. And I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. I mean, I get to talk with a lot of students who 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 feel like their bones are wasting away in, in silence all the day long, and uh, they they feel like they they no longer know who God is or or who they are, mm-hmm. and they can come in here and they they can say, Pastor, please hear my confession and pronounce forgiveness. I think sometimes we think something is so bad, even if it's not that bad. I mean, you know, it's whatever we know and feel in our hearts. They think this is unforgivable. And to say those things out loud, to see the pastor not be surprised by anything, and then to hear the words of Christ, I forgive you all of your sins. Um, I used to like the old. Of, I used to like the old, uh, the old Lutheran worship at the, at the end. The Lutheran worship rite it had the words, and I always add them. Uh, it said, "Go, you are free." After pronouncing absolution, I, I kind of miss that. I, I love that idea. Okay, you're free. I've, I've never heard that. I was an LSD guy from the start. Oh, but, uh, you're, you're you're aging me. I'm old. I'm aging myself. I'm yeah. Old. You know, at the very end of the whole thing, and I like the LSD right better. But I love that at the very end, if you find an old Lutheran worship and you go and look, the very last thing the pastor says is go, comma, you're free, period. Like, yeah. get out of here. <laughs> you're free. You're you know, forgiven. I, get I, I, I just love the simplicity of, you know, I wanted to tell you, I had this experience when I was, I had the same experience at seminary. I Actually, I was taking a campus ministry class back in the day that they had one with Pastor Donald, Dr. Donald Defner, who started campus ministry at Cal Berkeley way 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 back in the day and he was he wouldn't shut up about how important confession and absolution was in general but also for our college students i was like holy smokes i need to do this and we were we left class and we were on our way to chapel i said sir would would you mind skipping i hate to ask you this but would you mind skipping chapel and hear my confession he goes heck no that's what you know you know you can hear forgiveness there and i can give it to you individually and so yeah. uh, that I had a very similar experience, and it was uh, very, very transformative. It, yeah, it, it was it was amazing. You know, it, I think about David. You know, David writes here. I don't know if this is particularly in reflection of him and Bathsheba, but I can't help but think that it is. But the thing I absolutely love about Psalm 32, especially in in my mind, is it's in reflection of him and Beth, uh, David and Bathsheba. And, I mean, David, his sexual sin led to murder, led to cover-up. I mean, he broke every single commandment. And as you read in First, uh, as you read in um, Samuel, Second uh, Samuel, it looks like he is cold-blooded. I mean, it looks like he has no care. He looks like the godfather. You know, it's like carrying out these terrible deeds, and it looks like he has no remorse for anything. But in Psalm 32, it shows us that that when he kept silent, his bones wasted away. I mean, he was in misery over his sin. 
And then I love how he just goes ahead and says, you know, I acknowledge my sin to you. I didn't cover up my iniquity. But you know what? If we look back at the history, how did he know he sinned? It's because God sent Nathan to him. That's his pastor. You know, as a prophet, Nathan is David's pastor. And he sent Nathan to him to confront him with, with the word of God. And when David heard it all, you know, the ultimate outcome was Nathan said, you are the man. I would have given you so much more, but you, why have you done, why have you despised the word of the Lord and done evil in his sight? And, uh, and David just says, I have sinned against the Lord. Psalm 51 is the whole extent of his confession. He says, I have sinned against the Lord. And in Psalm 32, it says, I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. How did he know God forgave him? It was the words of his pastor, Nathan. The Lord has taken away your sin. And the second, the second that uh, David announced, uh, I have sinned against the Lord, there was no more law. Yeah. It, the David, yeah. I mean, Nathan was piling it on. <laughs> yeah, and he the was. second he says, I have sinned against the Lord, and he hears that confession... Boom, Nathan goes right to the gospel, which is the whole point. Yeah, it's not confession absolution, and as some may say, penance. Confession has two parts. First, that we confess our sins, and second, that we receive absolution. That is forgiveness from the pastor as from God himself. And I love, I absolutely love that David never mentions his pastor in that. Because the pastor is inconsequential. You know, I mean, well... Well, we 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 know as pastors, he's not we the know point. How, he's not inconsequential, yeah, he's not but he's point. not the point. The forgiveness is. Yeah, and God's word is the point, and and um, he's like, "You, Lord, took away the iniquity of my sin, not Pastor Nathan." You know, <laughs> you know, it was it was God who took it away, and right, and what a beautiful thing. And, and, and real quick, and, we've just got like about three minutes left here or less, so I. Told you when I called you, yeah. this would go, this would go quick. <laughs> but oh, yeah. uh, how yeah. did Na- how did David respond to that joy? I mean, what do we have in our liturgy? But uh, you know, create in me a clean heart. Um, you know, you don't get much more joyous than David's response, do you? Yeah. Well, in in Psalm fifty one, he says, "Restore unto me the joy of your salvation." But if you keep in Psalm thirty two, um, at the end of his psalm. He says, many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. And he's including himself as those upright in heart. Now, if you were to look back at his past, here the devil has every, as devil will accuse, accuse, accuse. But David is the cross, the cross, the cross. You know, um... Jesus paid for that. Um, by by his stripes, we are healed, and that healing it flows forth um, from the blood and the uh, the blood and the body at the altar. It flows forth from the the word uh, proclaimed from the pulpit, and it flows forth even in the most private of situations, uh, like private confession and absolution where we hear God's word to that particular sin that the devil shouts so loud about, and we hear, I forgive you 
all your sin. It's a, and, and we, you know, go in peace. I remember the first time I did Compassion Absolution, I walked away just, just so, it didn't even seem, seem real. Now, ever since that, I don't have that same experience every time. It's not about the experience. Sure. But it is about being connected with my family, really, you know, and my family being um, God's family. And, and uh, the same family I was baptized into, I hear um, his name placed upon me once again, and it's just a, a beautiful thing. today everyone remember college is tough you need jesus we'll help